RT8K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines. John Lee's campaign to be Hong Kong's CE gathers momentum as he confirms with 10 political parties and groupings. The chief executive says school children and staff must do a rapid antigen test every day as part of a phased return to school. And one of the SAR's top epidemiologists questions how the SAR plans to handle COVID as the latest wave recedes. Chief Executive Hopeful John Lee is out and about meeting 10 political parties and groups today as part of his campaign effort. Yesterday, he held two virtual meetings with 130 election committee members and said he had secured around 300 nominations. A contender must get at least 188 nominations with at least 15 from each of the committee's five sectors. The former chief secretary says he will gather views from the nine groups he's meeting today to help formulate his policy platform. John Lee's campaign chief has admitted there may be little time for Hong Kongers to go through his election manifesto, but says they can still support the former chief secretary's bid for the top job if they agree with his vision for Hong Kong. Tom Yu-Chung told an RTHK program that the office is still working on the election blueprint days after Mr. Lee announced his candidacy to be the next chief executive. The National People's Congress Standing Committee member admits that the time is tight, but they need time to draft the manifesto carefully and they're still collecting views. He was asked if people would have enough time to understand Mr. Lee's policies before the vote takes place in early May. Yes, time may be tight when compared with the past, but I believe people will look at the broader direction and look at the candidate's past works and see if they agree with his targets, direction and vision and whether they trust him. If people think he's the right candidate and is capable of leading us, they can still give their views later on. Sources say veteran journalist Alan Au was arrested this morning by National Security Police on suspicion of conspiring to publish and reproduce seditious material. He was reportedly taken to Kwai Chung Police Station. Commenting on the reported arrest, the chief executive, Carrie Lam, said she's not in a position to comment, but reiterated that freedom of the press should be safeguarded while upholding national security. She spoke through an interpreter. Freedom of the press is safeguarded by the basic law in Article 17, which also provides for various freedoms for individuals. And in the Hong Kong NSL Article 4, there is clear provision that the freedoms should also be safeguarded whilst safeguarding national security. The chief executive says school children are to return to school by phases as planned, but all students and teaching staff must do a rapid antigen test every day before going to school. Speaking in her daily COVID press briefing, she says the government will hand out 10 million rapid test kits to schools to facilitate their arrangement. Mrs. Lam also calls on school children to get vaccinated, saying that unvaccinated school children may be barred from joining music and sporting activities. In order to reduce infection risks in schools, uh, one student's uh, going to go back to uh, school learning. Initially, for a period, we would require all the staff, the uh, teachers and the students to take daily uh, rapid antigen tests. And they could only go into the school if the test is a negative one. Earlier, the chairwoman of the subsidized primary schools council, Vu Imfan, suggested that vaccinated students should only have to do a rapid COVID test once or twice a week before school, while those who aren't inoculated should be tested more often. She added that focusing on unvaccinated students may also spur parents to get their children vaccinated. 
Top epidemiologist Benjamin Cowling has questioned what Hong Kong's plan is on handling COVID going forward. The Hong Kong University professor said Omicron no longer posed a danger to the community, with an estimated 4 million people here infected in the latest wave. He said cases would definitely rebound when schools returned and social distancing measures were eased next week. But he said Hong Kong needed a different approach if cases rebounded, as its previous plan to keep out Omicron failed. Mr. Cowling said vaccinating, vaccinating the elderly remained the priority. In Hong Kong, we're going back to the same strategies that we had six months ago, meaning quarantine hotels that are not really purpose-built and a plan for control in the community, which didn't work for BA2 and probably will not work for the next variant and is also not apparently working very well in Shanghai and they're doing even more stringent measures than, than we had in Hong Kong. So I think we've really got to think very carefully about the rationale for trying to keep COVID out of the community in the long term. I think it's, it's going to be very, very difficult to sustain that. Health officials say 25 people have tested positive and five are indeterminate after a lockdown of Tung Yat House in Leitong Estate in Aple Chow. The building was locked down yesterday afternoon and ended this late this morning. They said almost 1,500 people were tested during the operation. Overseas now, with most of the votes counted in the first round of the French presidential election, Emmanuel Macron will face the far-right leader Marine Le Pen in a runoff in two weeks' time. Results currently show that only two percentage points difference between them, with Mr. Macron on just over 27% and Ms. Le Pen on just over 25%. The BBC's Lucy Williamson reports from Paris. Both presidential hopefuls seem to have made gains since they last ran for office five years ago. Who wins the next round of this election will depend on voters who don't particularly like either of them. And the predictions are it'll be close. Marine Le Pen still faces criticism that her programme is racist and her party xenophobic. But after five years of President Macron, there are those who want to keep him out of office too. Those who watched the UK vote for Brexit and the US vote for Trump and are asking themselves... What's the solution for France? Addressing his supporters in the French capital shortly after the results, Mr. Macron urged voters to rally behind him in the next round, stressing that nothing is decided. I solemnly invite all our citizens, whatever their beliefs and choices, in the first round to join us. I am fully aware that that might not be support for our particular project, And I respect that. Some will do it to build a wall against the extreme right. I am ready to create something new, to bring everyone together to build a joint communal action in the service of our nation. Israeli troops have shot dead two women and two men in separate incidents that reflect the high tensions in a country hit by a wave of attacks in recent weeks. The BBC's Yosef Taha reports. The Israeli army shot dead a Palestinian woman in the occupied West Bank city of Hebron who had stabbed an officer. Earlier, they shot and killed an unarmed Palestinian woman near Bethlehem. They said she defied orders to stay back. Later in the evening, near the southern Israeli coastal city of Ashkelon, a senior army commander shot dead a man who had snatched a weapon from an Israeli service woman. Local media say he was a Jewish settler thought to have been suffering from mental illness. And in the latest incident, Israeli troops shot dead at 20 21-year-old Palestinian man near Bethlehem, they've accused him of throwing a Molotov cocktail at an Israeli car. 
The World Bank says Ukraine needs financial support immediately because of the war with Russia. It expects the country's economy to shrink by 45% this year. Here's the BBC's Jonathan Josephs. The fighting has taken thousands of lives, but it's also devastated the economy. Much of Ukraine's workforce has been forced to flee or fight. The World Bank says many years of progress have been undone, with the effects being felt in surrounding countries too. Ukraine was a major source of crops, such as sunflower oil and wheat. But with exports brought to a halt, global food prices have risen and Ukraine has lost an important earner. The development body has already provided nearly a billion dollars of assistance and is promising another two billion in the months ahead. Ukraine's military says 10 people, including children, have been killed in Russian shelling in the northeastern Kharkiv region as Moscow intensifies its offensive there. The head of Kharkiv's military administration said the fiercest fighting was around the town, the town of Isyam. Satellite images have shown hundreds of Russian military vehicles redeployed there. Gunmen in Nigeria have attacked villages in Plateau State, killing at least 26 people, with many others feared dead. Nigeria is grappling with a wave of violence by armed gangs who frequently carry out out killings and kidnappings for ransom, mostly in unprotected rural communities. The BBC's Ishak Khalid has filed this report from Abuja. The gunmen stormed at least four remote villages in Kanam local government area of Plateau State, shooting people dead. Most of the victims were children. Homes were burnt down and cattle stolen. Residents say at least 20 bodies have been found in the village of Jambo, while at least six have been recovered in the village of Karam. More killings were reported in the villages of Dungur and Kukawa. A number of people are still missing and hundreds have been displaced. The president of Mexico, Andres Manuel López Obrado, has easily won a referendum on whether he should step down or complete his six-year term. But the turnout at around 17.5% meant that even if he had lost, the result would not have been binding. The BBC's Will Grant is in Mexico City. Andres Manuel López Obrador will stay in power for the next three years. Given what interest there was for this referendum came principally from Mr López Obrador's supporters, he was always likely to be given the green light to finish his mandate. While the president will point to the wide margin of his victory as evidence that his agenda is popular among Mexicans, his opponents will cite the low level of participation. Either way, future presidents may find it harder to avoid some form of midterm oversight of their six-year rule now that this measure has been introduced. Rallies have been held in cities across Pakistan to protest against the removal of Imran Khan from his post as prime minister following a no-confidence vote in parliament. Images in Pakistan's media show thousands of people gathered in Karachi and Lahore waving torches and flags in the dark and chanting in support of Mr. Khan. A longtime rival, Shabazz Sharif, is expected to be voted in by parliament to replace Mr. Khan as prime minister later today. Official data shows that China's factory gate inflation was higher than expected in March as the Ukraine conflict pushes up oil prices and a surge in mainland COVID cases strains food supplies. The National Bureau of Statistics said the producer price index of measuring the cost of goods at the factory gate grew 8.3 percent on year. The Bureau said China's consumer price index also rose more than expected by 1.5 percent 
year-on-year in March. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 21,321. That's 550 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $62.2 billion. And in currencies, a short time ago, the U.S. dollar would purchase 124.92 yen. The euro was at 1 U.S. dollar and 8 cents, and the pound was worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 20 cents. In sport, the world number one golfer Scotty Scheffler has won the Masters at Augusta. A strong finish from Northern Ireland's Rory Rory McIlroy earned him more than $1.5 million in prize money for coming in second place. The BBC's Ian Carter was watching. Remarkably, Scheffler four-putted the final green for a double bogey. The moment got to him, but it didn't matter. The quality of his golf throughout the entire week meant that he still won by three shots. Meanwhile, Rory McIlroy went on a tear, holding a bunker shot for birdie at the last to shoot a record equaling 64 and finish second. It was never going to be enough, though. Until that hiccup at the last, Scheffler played like the world number one that he is and claims his first major at only the 10th attempt. Tiger Woods kept his remarkable return with the second consecutive round of six over par. He placed 47th. In football, Manchester City stayed a point of, stay a point above Liverpool at the top of the English Premier League after the two sides shared the points in a two-all draw at Etihad Stadium. More from the BBC's Ian Dennis. The match lived up to every expectation in a thoroughly captivating contest, played at a ferocious pace. Manchester City struck early through Kevin De Bruyne after five minutes. Jota levelled eight minutes later, but the champions were the better side in the first half and led at the break after Jesus made it 2-1. Liverpool's response after the restart was immediate, Mane equalising within 60 seconds. Sterling had a goal ruled out for offside after VAR, as both sides had chances, none better than Mares right at the end, but he chipped the ball over the bar. It's the first time City have dropped points from a winning position this season, but they still have the advantage in the title race. City boss Pep Guardiola felt his side with a better team and called the match a missed opportunity. Against that team, better than that is almost impossible. So I had the feeling we led them alive. So we did everything, we came more, we played. Like you have to play these type of games, incredible focus everyone and uh, okay, we are top of the league still so we have the feeling that uh, we, we miss a, a huge opportunity to make a step but like I said before the press conference, winning or losing or drawing so many games to play and many things are going to happen. Liverpool captain Jordan Henderson also felt his team could have come out on top. Yeah, it was intense, um, which we knew it would be. You know, it's going to be intense, the high level game. Um, against a fantastic team so yeah it was intense positives to take obviously can do better at moments as well so yeah a bit of mixed emotions really after the game onto the weather it'll be mainly fine apart from some cloudy periods this morning and hot during the day with visibility relatively low in some areas and with light winds the outlook winds will be weak and visibility visibility low the next few days it'll be hot during the day a few showers on wednesday and thursday currently the temperature is 30 degrees Celsius, with the relative humidity standing at 63%. And that's the news from RTHK.
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 show. Hope you've had a great weekend. The sun is shining and there's still a bit of a breeze out there, so it is lovely. On the show today after 1.30, my story, the feature where I invite a guest to speak about the challenges, inspirations and ambitions of their chosen career path. Today, my guest is Alfred Ip, founding partner of Hugel and Ip Solicitors in Hong Kong. And after 2 p.m., my guest will be Hersha Chalaram, co-founder and executive director of the Yama Foundation, the non-profit organization that has a mission to provide access to yoga, arts and meditation services to Hong Kong's most vulnerable communities. We find out more about the Virtual Accessible Wellbeing Conference on the 23rd of April that focuses on making yoga accessible for disabled and special educational needs families. That is all coming up between now and three o'clock, so I hope you're going to keep me company.